Jesus, we thank you that you never leave us, that you never forsake us. And that when there was a price to pay that was too big, you just died on the cross for us. And Jesus, we are just so thankful for how you love us and how you invite us to have a relationship with you that you call us your sons and daughters. Jesus, as we celebrate today, new lives in you, we already know that you're in this place. We already know that you're speaking to us, but I pray that we hear your voice today and that we find joy in the things that you're doing in our lives so that we can show that same joy to every single person we see. We love you today. Amen. You guys may be seated. Well, good morning. Hey, if you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to Luke chapter 14 over in the New Testament. Uh, and if you don't have your Bibles, we'll show it up here on the screen in just a minute. Um, by the way, this has been a busy, busy weekend for those of you who are college students or work at the college, uh, Mount Vernon Nazarene University. Uh, they had their graduation. Uh, and then we may have students from other universities or colleges that graduated uh, in the last, in this several weeks or whatever. It, uh, let me ask you this. If you are a college grad... Uh, we're going to recognize the high schoolers here in a week or two. Um, but if you're a college grad, I know it's been a big weekend. Would, would you stand up right where you're at? Let's see who you are. All right. Yes. Awesome. I was so, so, so thrilled when I graduated from college, Kumasum, lucky. And I do mean that. There's a story there. Um, so great. And we're going to celebrate high school students here in a few weeks. This is fun. Well, today we are in part two of a parable that Jesus told. A parable is uh, literally something that's cast alongside uh, something else. Jesus' parables uh, were cast alongside a truth, a spiritual truth, in order to illustrate or to clarify that truth. Um, his, his parables could be thought of as, uh, I don't know, teaching aids or extended analogies, um, inspired comparisons. Uh, a very common definition of a, of a parable is, a, is that it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Okay, and that's what we're looking at this two weeks, today and last week. Uh, this parable in Luke 14 is about a great feast. And, and Jesus gets invited to the home of a Pharisee for this, this big dinner. A Pharisee was a religious leader back in the day, and they were pretty insecure, most of them, about Jesus. And, um, you know, so anytime Jesus was invited into a group with Pharisees to a meal or whatever, it would typically go sideways because the Pharisees had an agenda behind it. They were trying to trick Jesus or they were trying to trap Jesus. So in case you weren't here last Sunday, let me summarize for you what we talked about last Sunday. Or maybe you were here and just I just wasn't that inspiring. You can't remember anything I said. This will be a little rewind for you. Uh, so Jesus gets invited to this dinner. Um, there was also another... 
I want to say another guest at this dinner, but he really wasn't an invited guest. He was really bait. Um, he was a guy that had a disease called dropsy. And, and the Pharisees heartlessly invite this guy to a meal for the purpose of trying to trap Jesus. Um, because if Jesus decides to heal this guy on the Sabbath when they were having this meal, then the Pharisees could point at Jesus and go, you broke the Sabbath, you were working on, because we all know that God can't be bothered on the Sabbath, right? And so they've got Jesus that way. Or if, um, if Jesus doesn't decide to heal this guy at this dinner, then they can point fingers at Jesus and going, hey, you're not really that compassionate all along, right? And so long story short, Jesus heals the guy. But there's, there's more drama that we talked about last Sunday that happens within this story. Uh, Jesus notices that as he walks into this banquet um, that people are jockeying for position, right? Um, they're, they're trying to get into the highest place. Of, you know, back in that day, there were certain seats around the table that were higher honor than others, and they were trying to um, jockey for the positions of highest honor, and, and Jesus says, hey, listen, if you do that, it's going to turn out really bad. If you just assume you're going into one of the higher seats of honor, it's going to turn out bad because either, number one, people will lose respect for you. Uh, number two, the, the host might have to go, hey, you need to scoot down a seat or two. This is for that person. This seat of honor is for that person, right? Um, and so uh, Jesus went on to say that if, if you just walk into a room and automatically assume the position of a servant, um, it's going to be a win-win because people will love your humility um, and there's a chance the host is going to come up to you and go, hey, we'll move up into the seat of higher honor and then you're honored in front of everybody. But that's not all the drama. There's even more drama. <clears throat> Jesus challenges the host of this get-together, this banquet, and says, hey, you need to invite some people to dinner whom you can't get anything out of. In other words, dinner, lunches, breakfast back then were much like they are the day where a lot of business deals happen. You know, you invite someone to lunch because you need to get something out of them or make a deal or whatever. And, and Jesus says, you know, every once in a while, man, you need to invite someone that you can't get anything out of. And the host of this dinner party is like, oh, whoa, 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 wait, wait, time out, Jesus. We brought you here to put you on trial, to test you, to trap you not for you to trap us and to test us, okay? And so there's this tension filling the air in this moment. And there's a guy sitting around the table who apparently his personality type is a peacemaker and he senses this tension in the room, this just this awkwardness, this heaviness in the air. And check out what this guy says to kind of break the tension in Luke chapter 14, verse 15. Hearing this... Um, you know, this tension in the room and what was going on. A man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. I mean, this is equivalent to me sitting in a, a tense moment somewhere and I go, hey, well, how about those Buckeyes or how about those Reds, you know, and it's just totally off topic. That's basically what this guy was doing. You know, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. 
um, because this guy, he just can't handle the tension and the conflict, and he's trying to pull everyone back together. And, and Jesus goes, you know what? I, I'm glad you brought this up, actually, because the kingdom of God is like a banquet. And then Jesus launches into the actual parable, beginning in verse 16. Jesus replied with this story, A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, Come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. And another said, I just got married, so I can't come. That's probably the most legitimate. I'm married. I can't go have fun. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm teasing. Um, <clears throat> I mean, these are pretty lame excuses, you know. Have you ever invited someone to something, something and they come up with this lame excuse and they try to make it not sound lame, which makes it sound even more lame, right? <clears throat> um, hey, I just closed on this house. I need to go check it out. Really? You bought a house without even checking it out? Um, you know, who buys a car and then goes, hey, I probably need to go test drive this car. Again, who buys a car without test driving it? Uh, of course, I guess they do these days. The commercials where you can just pick up your phone and buy a car. I'm like, dude, that weirds me out big time. But, but who does that? Uh, the third guy, again, the most legitimate excuse, he, he's married. Um, you know, but depending on his bride, maybe she's the type that she loves to dress up and would love to go to a big old banquet like this or whatever. Um, it would be an awesome date, but he uses her as an excuse. I, I can't come. And at the end of the day, they're all making these excuses as to why they can't attend this banquet. Look at verse 21. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, Go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Stop there a moment. Uh, so this invitation to this banquet has gone out. Uh, the people who were originally invited are making these lame excuses not to attend. The master really becomes angry. He's, he's offended in this moment. And he changes his plan and he says, Go back out into the streets and invite anybody and everybody. It doesn't matter if their name is on the guest list. Invite them. And so we get the impression that a few came um, at that point. But look, beginning with verse 22. After the servant had done this, he reported, there is still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. Now, that's the parable, okay? The question is, what, what does it mean? What do we learn from it? And there are probably any number of things we can learn from this story that Jesus told. But here's, here's the first one I want to just briefly mention this morning, and that's this. The invitation to our Father's banquet is urgent. There's a sense of urgency to it. Now, in the parable, to help you understand the parable even better, um, the master who hosts this party represents God. 
the servant who is told to go out and invite people into this banquet represents who? Jesus, yeah. The people who are invited to this banquet uh, represent who? Us, yeah. And the banquet itself represents heaven, represents the kingdom of God. Aren't, aren't you glad for the hope of heaven this morning? This world is not our home. All the craziness in it, it's just a blip on the screen of eternity. Um, the banquet represents heaven. You know, heaven for the Christian will be a place of glorious life that will never, ever, ever end. It will be joy unspeakable like the old hymn we used to sing. Joy unspeakable, limitless peace, pure love, beauty um, beyond description. That's what heaven is. Greatest of all, the best part of heaven is that we will be um, in the presence of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit uh, with whom we will fellowship forever, endlessly, right? I mean, I love, love, love the hope of heaven. You know, I don't, I don't know what some of you may be thinking about when you think of heaven. Um, maybe you think of it as kind of like this endless choir practice. Um, or maybe you picture it being all of us sitting around on a cloud in adult diapers playing harps. I, I'm pretty sure that's not what it's going to be. I mean, who wants to do that for all eternity? Um, the kingdom of heaven is better described as, in fact, one of the most common analogies of heaven in Scripture uh, is that heaven is a party, okay? Um, you want to know one of the reasons we like parties so much? It's because God created us in His image, and, and God loves parties, you know. Um, in fact, the very first public miracle that Jesus did was at a party, Right? It was at a wedding banquet, and they ran out of wine, and, and Jesus says, this party ain't stopping, and he turns the water into wine, and, and he performs this, the very first public miracle. The, you know, the kingdom of God, heaven, is, is everything that your heart has been longing for that you cannot satisfy here. The kingdom of God is your greatest heart desire. The kingdom of God is a banquet in which you, you come empty, and yet you are filled Okay, And so the servant sends out all of these invitations. Those who are originally invited make these lame excuses. You know, ah, banquet doesn't sound all that great. I've got property I need to check out. That sounds awesome, but I've got oxen I purchased and I need to go try them out. You know, I've got relationships that are more important to me right now than, than that. I'm, you know, I'm too busy trying to get full here to go there and be filled. You know, and that's in essence what they're saying. So now the master looks at the servant and he says, go fill this table. All right. God is going to fill his table with or without me, with or without you. He says, go fill this table with people who have room in their schedules, with people who have room in their hearts. I don't care who they are. I don't care what they look like. I don't care where they live. I don't care what their past is. I don't care what they're wearing. I, I don't, all I want is people who are willing to come in and empty themselves in order to be filled at this banquet. Um, and really, this is the heartbeat behind our church. Um, 
This is why we do what we do as New Life Church of the Nazarene. This is why you will never hear us as a church say, I think we've done enough. You'll never hear us say that. Uh, you, you'll never hear me as your pastor say, I think we've reached enough people, we're done, let's just settle in and, and have church. No. The master is throwing a party, a banquet, and he doesn't want any empty seats. Eternity is long. Time is short. And, and so, in essence, this parable shows us the, the invitation is urgent. Here, here's another application. Change is hard. Did you notice that the master, when he sent out the invitation to the original list of people, and it came back with all of these rejections, he he quickly changed the plan, right? And he said, I, I initially sent you out into the primary streets. Um, they rejected it. So now I want you to go out into the highways and the byways and the country lanes and go out and hit hedges and find anybody that you can find. In other words, the master is willing to change his plan in order for the house to be full, in order for the party to be full. Listen, if you're going to attempt something significant, you've got to have a plan. But if you're going to achieve something significant, you've got to be willing to scrap that plan and to discern when you need to make the appropriate change in order to stay on mission, in order to stay focused. You know, as a church, we, we never change just for the sake of being change, uh, of having change. As a church, if we make changes, it's, it's for the purpose of staying on mission and to stay focused and to stay zealous to what Jesus has called us to. You know, too often, churches slip into what you might call maintenance mode, right? Um, and they lose the mission. We don't want to do that. One of our... <clears throat> Unofficial, we have many unofficial mottos around here that I just throw around in our staff meetings and stuff. One of our unofficial mottos is, New Life has no sacred cows, right? Um, you know, things like tr tradition and nostalgia and comfort and preferences, they're, they're not bad things in and of themselves, but when they trump the mission that's a huge problem. Um, and so the question for us is, are the things that we're doing helping us be as effective as we can be in reaching people for Jesus, inviting people to the banquet? Or are we just doing things because, well, that's just the way we've always done it and that's how we're comfortable and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Some of you have heard this story. It's been around a while. It makes me think of the newlywed couple. They were spending their first Christmas together. <clears throat> and so they go out and they buy this Christmas ham for their Christmas dinner, right? And so this young new bride brings that ham into the kitchen. And, and one of the first things she does before she cooks it is she cuts off both ends of the ham. And, and that's a lot of good meat, right? I don't know about you, but I like the crusty parts, you know, like the... That's a lot of good meat. And the husband looks at her, this new husband, and says, well, why are you cutting off both ends of the ham? That's, you, you know, we're wasting a lot of meat. And his new bride is like, 
you know what, I really don't know. It's just the way my mom always did it as we were growing up, and so I just started doing it as well. And he says, well, let's call your mom, see why she did it. So they call her mom, and mom, they go, mom, you know, why do you always cut both ends of the ham off before you put it in the oven? Or, and she's like, you know what, I really don't know. It's just the way my mom always did it, and I just kind of followed that example, that tradition. And so... The bride's mom says, let's call grandma and ask her. And so they call grandma and they're like, grandma, why do you always, you know, throughout the years as we were all growing up and you'd have a ham, you'd cut off both ends of the ham and before. And grandma just said, I just didn't have a pan big enough to put the ham in. <laughs> in other words, what began as a practical, purposeful, necessary thing turned into a tradition that generations followed and they didn't even know why they followed it and this is what happens too often in churches we end up getting sidetracked from the mission we get caught up in tradition if we're going to continue inviting people to the banquet we've got to be comfortable with change I, I, I like the phrase comfortably uncomfortable you know, uh, someone once said, I'm not sure who, but the church is the only organization that is not about its members, right? It's not about whether you're comfortable. It's not about whether you like the songs or you like the way we do this or the way we like that. We're just doing whatever we can uh, to reach people. And, and part of my responsibility as, as the pastor here is to discern where God is leading us as a church and trust me if you've known me for over five minutes you know I am not the type of person that makes a change just for the sake of change that is the exact extreme opposite of my personality I am as predictable as they come whenever we make a change at the church it's for the purpose of being as effective as we can in fulfilling the mission and I don't always get it right trust me but I want you to know my heart. I want as many people to come to the banquet table as we can possibly get there as New Life Church of the Nazarene. Um, and, and if changing something will help more people come, then we are going to make the change. There are plenty of churches who aren't changing. And they're stuck in tradition and nostalgia. Man, if, if that's your comfort level, go. It's okay. But we're going to change to stay on focus and to stay on mission and to invite as many people to the table as we can get here, even if it makes us uncomfortable. Well, that got so many amens. Let's move on to the other. <clears throat> here, here's another thing we learned from the story. I, I need you to be all in. I need you to be all in. Um, I, I need you to be, you need you to be all in to the mission that Jesus, to which Jesus has called us to. It, it's amazing all the things that God has done through the ministry of New Life Church of the Nazarene over the, the years. And to God be all the glory. But, but he, he wants to do so much more, so much more. Um... I walked into the office this week and I saw Stacy, our office administrator, manager, she had something laying on her desk. I'm like, what's that? 
And uh, you, we've got a couple pictures. If you'll pop up the picture. She found this in one of our files. This is our old newsletter when we were called Evangelical Church. We changed the name. Again, a, a perfect example of change. We changed the name for two reasons. One, anybody we're trying to reach, you have no idea what evangelical means, even though that's who we are. We're, we're an evangelical organization. And whenever we wrote it or said it, we didn't say evangelical. We would either uh, write ECN or we would say Evan-Naz or whatever. So we're not even losing the name. Let's change it. Let's be more effective, right? So anyway, this was our newsletter we used to do. I'm not a newsletter type of guy. Just trust me. If you ask me to sit down and write an article once a month, you might as well punch me in the face. I, I'd hate to sit down and do that. So we, we dropped those pretty quick. Um, but this is one from October of 2001, which would have been, I don't know, five or six months after I started pastoring here. In fact, Caleb, who was up here on drums, my son, was he born yet? He, he wasn't born yet. He was born. In October he was. He wasn't, he wasn't born when I first came, when me and Chris first came, but... It, do you appreciate the quality of the pictures of these newsletters? They're incredible. So inspiring. And you'll notice that's the pastor's corner up there on the top left, which I hated. Um, on top of the fact, I'm in a suit. That's when I used to dress like a real pastor should dress. <laughs> Here, move on to the next one. Ah, there's NYI stuff. For, that's... Nazarene Youth International in the Church of Nazarene, teen stuff, and you can't see them because the, the high-quality picture's there, but that's our friend Phil Stevens. Phil and Gina Stevens still attend here and um, help us out in so many ways. Uh, move on to the next. Oh, here, we had to know everybody's birthday in the newsletter. And if you'll notice up there, let's see, we have uh, Brent Medcap. He's, he's still... Here, him and Melissa. Uh, let's see. Gina Stevens, October 15th. She's still, man, she's getting really old. Really, really. <laughs> I don't know. Are you in here, Gina? Um, Zach Calabretta. I mean, when I, when I saw that, you know, it's, it's hard not to reminisce and go, Dude, it is just absolutely incredible all the things that God has done in this 20 plus years. But I want to tell you something. He is not done yet and he wants to do so much more if we will stay on mission. Uh, and the only way he can use us to our greatest potential to reach as many people as we can possibly reach is for all of us to be all in with our time, our talent, our treasure, all just our heart, everything to be all in. Uh, oh, so what's that mean? That means, man, if you're not already, get engaged with the life of the church. Get to know people. Um, begin serving somewhere. Join the life team. Uh, join a life group. Start tithing. Jump into whatever, but become purposeful in inviting others to the banquet table do something in short get with the mission and and by the way doing these things are not what save you they just deepen your relationship with Jesus and they bring others to the table right um, speaking of being engaged let, let me I'm kind of known for rabbit trails 
don't know if they're good or bad, if they create confusion or if people like them or what. But let me take a rabbit trail here for a minute. Um, I, I want to talk about our online uh, church that we offer, our online ministry that we offer. I am so glad. Uh, hey, we've got kids coming in. We're going to baptize some folks here in a few minutes. Don't, don't let this distract you. Um, but uh, I am so glad we have online church. We have our online mission um, because it is great for people who are unchurched. It's great for people who are afraid initially to walk into the church. Um, they're afraid the roof is going to cave in on them, right? And so the online church is a great way for them to begin their spiritual journey, but it's not a great place to stay. Um, online churches, online ministry is great for those who are immunocompromised, especially over these last few years with all the COVID stuff and all of that stuff. Uh, or when you're, you, you've got, you know, little Johnny at home is sick and you can't come to church so you can watch it online or, or when you're traveling and you're on the beach and, and Florida and you're like, man, I am not missing Pastor Troy preach. And so, Yeah. And so you, you, you watch it online, but it is no substitute for what happens when we are here all together. Um, now, there are unique advantages to online ministry. It's important, uh, though, for Christians to find and to get connected to a local church. The local church is the active extension of Christ's love on the ground. You know, and we have awesome online hosts. You know, when people are watching online during the service, you may not even know this, but they're answering their questions or they're praying with people or whatever, and that's a great ministry, and we need that. Uh, you know, and people can be enriched and inspired and comforted through technology, but it cannot completely fill the need to love and to be loved in person. Uh, we don't do online to replace this. We do online to supplement it for people who can't legitimately be here, right? And it's a great, great ministry. But back off the rabbit trail to the point of we need to be all in. We need to be here. We need to be attached. We need to be connected. We need to be serving. We need to be loving each other. We need, right? And you can only do that here in person. All right, so let me summarize everything for you. This, this parable speaks first of all, about who we are as New Life Church in the Nazarene. It speaks to those of us who are already sitting around the Father's table, okay? And this parable challenges us, God challenges us to invite others to the table. In fact, I'd take it a step further. He doesn't just challenge us. He commands us. He gives us a charge to invite others to the table, to this party. And, and when we invite them to this table, it's not just inviting them to a kid life party or a teen life party. It's not just inviting them to, to serve or it's not just inviting them to be a part of a life group or it's not in, inviting them to this dinner table. You, you know, that's why many dates involve dinner, involve food, right? Because it, it, it gives you this unobstructed chance to connect with somebody over food, right? And... Uh, these invitations to this party are invitations for people to come into community and to get to know Jesus. And, and, and through this parable, God is saying, Troy, you, you put your name in there, 
have a responsibility to be inviting people to the table. That's who we are as New Life Church of the Nazarene. But this parable also speaks to those who are just outside the proverbial walls of the banquet. You know, you've not stepped across the line of faith. You've, You've not accepted Jesus as your personal Savior. And yet you're standing just outside the door to this incredible party, this incredible banquet with invitation in hand and you're hungry. And and one of the challenges of this parable is just come on in, step across the line, get connected, get involved, give your heart to Jesus. It's the best decision you'll ever make. And uh, in just a moment, we're we're going to baptize some folks. But before I do, I, I, I want to pray for you in this moment. Lord, we, we, we're grateful for this parable. Um, where we are invited to invite, we are challenged to invite. But Lord, it's also an invitation for those who are standing just outside the banquet doors with the invitation in hand is just to come on in. Lord, I pray that you would help us to live this out as a church. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what you mean to us in Jesus' name. Now, we're not done yet. We've got some of our Kid Life kids, at least those who are here for the second service, coming in. We're going to baptize some folks. And uh, this is just part of the party. Amen. we got a lot to celebrate this morning. And, and these are people who are going, man, I, I want to be at the table. I'm accepting my seat at the table, and I want to reach out and invite others to the table. And so we're going to start by turning it over to Pastor Mandy here, and let's just celebrate as we do this and sing.
Enzo, can you tell everybody how old you are? I'm four years old. He is four years old. Oh my goodness. Enzo, you love Jesus a lot, don't you? Yes, you do. And Enzo, I'm excited I get to to help you this morning to read. Are you going to read your testimony for us? He's going to read it for us. All right, I'm going to hold this and you read it, buddy. Ready? I am at the soul shapers.
friend Quinn. Start. 